So, boys, I came, I came prepared, by the way. Since we're talking about some spicy things tonight, I brought some Tums, baby. That is going to hurt your ears recording. That, that sentence just encapsulates the revelation that everyone has at some point in their life of, ah, I'm not young anymore. Dude, no, it's, 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 that was completely a dad thing right there. Completely. Oh no, that's just that's just not being up because I've done that exact same thing. Like I've, Dude, I've I, think, I've, I've, I brought a prop. I brought a prop and everything, which technically this was in my truck. So like I, I mean, unironically kind of want one of those. Oh, because I mean, dude, Tom's is candy for for the old folks. True. That and, uh, <laughs> Tylenol and aspirin. <laughs> I leave. Josh. Yeah. We're we're not young. Well, me and Lacey were talking about this the other day. Like one thing that are not negotiable when it comes to like uh, budgeting and stuff like that is like vitamins. She says we're doing vitamins. We gotta do vitamins. It's like I don't think I ever took vitamins as a kid. Is that what's wrong with me? Like I never oh, I took did. any 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 of those Flintstone vitamins. Or... I never took the Flintstone ones, but I I was fed vitamins. I was not all throughout my my formative years. I was not. Never really questioned it. Now I mean I don't take them anymore because I'm just too lazy my and too cheap to get them. Do I? Do my parents love me? I mean, as far as I know, they do. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They do. I mean, Carrie doesn't get a truly disgusted face whenever I bring your name up. It's, it's more of like an exasperated look of, oh, I thought I got rid of that kid. Yeah. But he, he's, he's, he's still doing with me, but he's not feeding me vitamins. <laughs> I'm, I'm liking vitamins and B12. and. Well, fine speaking and- of things that only adults do. Uh, we're going to be talking about some things that uh, way too many adults do on this episode of Cross Training, where we look at faith and practice through a biblical lens. I'm your host, Matthew Thompson. I'm T-Dog, Tana Higgins, your boy. This is going to be an episode and a half, let me tell you. I'm Mason Simmons, and I'm just watching at this point. Just y'all wait. I'm gonna the get, train wreck. I'm going to get an on-the-fly mute button for Tanner's mic specifically. Just... Well, I'm gonna get a soundboard and have with sound sound effects. Sound drops. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I've been listening almost exclusively to a single podcast for the past like, goodness, three months. Playing catch up on because that has a huge backlog, and they they make gratuitous use of sound drops. I love sound but drops. They're always on point. Like they never get old. It's so stinking great. But yeah, we're gonna be talking about uh two things in particular. Uh, we might kind of get off the beaten path as well. Uh, we're gonna talk about. Well, Tanner, I, don't don't let me steamroll. Ma- Mason and Tanner, how about you, you intro our subject matter for the day? Well, we're heathens. Aren't we all? We're rebels. Dag and we mind. go against the stigma. At least, I don't know. By the way, we're talking about tattoos, first off. So, any of y'all inked, by the way? Everyone at this table is inked. Wait. Uh, excuse me? I have an expose on Mason today. You see... <laughs> He's actually got 100% pigmentless, clear hair, but he's tattooed um, his scalp and face red. Oh. Well, I, was th- I was thinking the fre- freckles were tattooed or something. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, too. that's a little bit more believable. But <laughs> no, I like, I like my conspiracy me better. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we're talking about tattoos today. And the, and the one reason why we talk about this is that um, – we kind of grow up in a we grew up in a culture and we kind of grew up in an area that like tattoos is very taboo for the Christian, and it seems like more and more it becomes more of a conversation. Is it okay for Christians to get tatted up? Is it okay for Christians to get inked? And and what does Bible say about it and stuff like that? So I mean I think the cultural stigma is placed against 
those that are tatted up and those that are inked up. You know, and history has shown all throughout that those that get tatted up and has tattoos are the sailors and the, the hoodlums and the rebels and the biker gangs and stuff like that. And so I think we're kind of in the, the, the back end of a generation that sees that tattoos are for those that are against authority or against the everyday common person is basically someone that goes against their own will and, and, or goes against the will of everyone else and goes with their own will. So, but I think that we need to talk about this because it is a cultural thing too. And based upon region and culture, that stigma is either going away or gone, or it remains pretty constantly nasty to be, have to have tattoos. Um, but the culture does not supersede the kingdom. Let me make note of that. So what does scripture say about tattoos? And this is what we're kind of going to be talking about today. Well, there's that one verse in Leviticus that people like to throw ah. around quite a bit. So what So what about Leviticus 19, uh, verse 28? What does that even say, first off? It says, don't cut your bodies and place marks or tattoos upon your body of the dead. Okay, so I think, first off, we need to understand that context. And you read that, and it automatically says, do not cut your body, do not put piercings, do not tat yourself up whatsoever. But this statement is strictly prohibiting the Israelite people to not take part of this pagan ritual, honoring the dead and, and false gods. They would tattoo the names of the dead with major pagan god overtones and imagery, uh, and God is basically telling the Israelite people that they must be different from the pagans and not place pagan idolatry images on their bodies. And God is saying, well, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. Your, your attention and your focus is supposed to be towards me. So with that being in the context, we are not within that time frame, correct? Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, the context of that, like, you, you talk about context, but, I mean, the context is within the verse itself. Like, it caps off yeah. of the dead. Uh, and, I mean, tattoos, they've... The, the general meaning of tattoos have changed over the years in, in different countries as well. Because, I mean, if you go to other countries even today, there's a little bit of a, a different stigma towards it. It's only been kind of recently that uh, in America, just in the worldly sense, the tattoos have become more of a, a normal thing. Because it used to be, like, if you if you had tattoos, like, on, on your hands or arms or whatever, like, you weren't going to get a job yeah. anywhere respectable. And, it, I mean, that's still an obstacle, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of places that will see someone with, uh, like, a full sleeve and be like, oh, that guy's trouble. Like, there, there still is that, that stigma just depending on who you we talk to. We still have to cover them up at work. Like, yeah. if you if you got them on your forearms, you got to wear sleeves or yeah, cover them up. So, exactly. I mean, it's still within the present time yeah. uh, frame. For so, sure. I mean, even from a worldly sense, not completely out of the woods because, I mean, that's just – I mean, we like to judge by appearance. Yeah. I mean, when we see things that uh, that we just have this preconceived notion that, like, that, that makes a bad person, then – you have those, those thoughts come up. So the, the stigma is definitely still a thing. Uh, but as for uh, from a Christian standpoint, it's kind of one of those things that just kind of got grandfathered into yeah. to our belief system over time because it, it just, well, since the world isn't 100% on board, then obviously the Christians shouldn't be on board at all. Like tattoos just have, have got to be just the work of the devil. I mean, hey, it says in Leviticus, don't get this tattoo, even though, again, the context at the end of the verse itself establishes what the purpose of that verse is is but really it's just that thing of oh well i've heard multiple people in my church say the tattoos are bad and surely they know what they're talking about i mean that's not dissing the people that had that belief because i mean some people might have a very good reason to believe that tattoos are bad mm. does that make it scripturally true no uh, i think personally and we'll probably uh, cite this more specifically further on this episode uh, but this kind of falls into um, 
the context of like when Paul was writing letters about stumbling blocks. Yeah. Because uh, some people can definitely stumble over that stumbling block. Did you know that God has hand tats? Does he now? Tell me more. So in Isaiah chapter 49, <laughs> verse 16, it says, it says God is telling the people of Israel and telling the prophet Isaiah, he says that, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. So he's engraved the people of Zion, the people of Israel, onto his hands. Well, Tanner, you see, that clearly is um, a metaphorical metaphorical engraving. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not a tattoo. And that's exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. But I mean, God is assuring his people that he will not forget them. That's what he's saying. He says that I'm. I'm basically which God that he's. He's basically he's he's putting a human thing that's going on within culture tattooing he says i will not forget you no matter what and he says he he decides to use an illustration that is quite surprising if you take the the leviticus 19 uh scripture he says basically he figuratively spreads out his hands and says look i've written your name on my hands and this is most likely a reference to a kind of tattoo a mark made with ink and of course god does not actually have arms and and hands and therefore he does not have any real ink upon his hands but the point is clear enough and he uses a picture as his people will understand and he essentially is saying how can i forget you when i have tattooed your name on my hand and i cannot even put my hand to work in anything without being reminded of you and the promises i've made for you and and like even some scholars uh, which, I mean, we can cite those later, but even some scholars have suggested that some Jews at this time began to tattooing their hands because of this statement that God made to the people of Zion. And it's, it's just another way that God says, okay, I'm, I just want, to, I want you to remember that I remember you. So this, is not just a, this isn't a justification of tattoos. God's not saying, okay, get tats. And we cannot just undermine the whole Mosaic law. Okay, and we can't just say that's just null and void, but this doesn't mean that we can 100% justify getting tattoos. So I can't. I came up with four reasons why I think that Christians should not get tattoos. But here's a conclusion: I'm tatted up. So these four things I've stated within the parameters that I think that I think it's okay for Christians to get tattoos as long as some of these guidelines that you're not getting a tattoo because of this. I'm fully prepared for you to like say something that like goes against some of my future tattoo plans. Like, exactly. So this is gonna be fun. So the first thing uh, I, I I kind of went down the line of like okay this is like a no brainer to like okay this is something that we need to talk about. So the first one, it's kind of obvious. Don't disobey your parents. You know if you're living in the household and like you're underage and stuff like that. Uh, you know, Colossians chapter 3, Deuteronomy 5, you know, obey your father and your mother, you know, honor them. So minors that get tattoos against their parents will, yeah, that's a sin. You're disobeying your parents and getting a tattoo when they said not to. So where does that line draw from obeying your parents? That's a question to be drawn at. So does leave and cleave to your spouse, does that follow within the parameter of disobeying your parents? And does that mean that I don't have to listen to my parents anymore, even if they say, I don't want you to get a tattoo? So when does that line drawn from, okay, my parents say not to get a tattoo, but when I reach this age, then I will? Well, I think a lot of that comes down to, like, the respect that you and your parents have for each other. Like, if that's really, like, a wedge that's coming between your relationship with your parents when, when you leave the house, mm-hmm. I think you've got deeper problems than just wanting to get a tattoo. I don't see a situation in which 
someone like in good faith and good standing uh, with their parents has like that rebellious streak after they move out. Because mm-hmm. I mean, why would you have it if not to like take out some weird deep seated vengeance on your parents? Like a healthy relationship when with your mother and father probably isn't going to result in you making such wildly against their wishes choices. And I'm sure there are exceptions to this, but just to kind of repeat myself a bit, like, Doing that is indicative of way more problems than just getting some ink when you move out. Mm-hmm. But that, that's my view on it. Yeah, I mean, Scripture's quite silent when it comes to inking and getting tattoos per se, but is quite vocal when it comes to obedience towards your parents and, and obedience to God. And what we when what Scripture says about relationships with people over tattoos or a cultural thing or wearing pants or wearing jean skirts or getting earrings or, or st- stuff like that, you know. So, I mean, it's quite more vocal on the relationship aspect than it is more of the presentation of yourself aspect. But I think a lot of these, they align with more, like, indirect offensive principles instead of, like, direct offensive uh, practices, if that makes any sense. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think there's a respect there. And, like, Song of Solomon, not Song of Solomon, but Proverbs, it says, you know, rear and child the way that he should go. And I think if a parent does them right and does them biblically, then a tattoo shouldn't bring a barrier towards that relationship between a father and a son or a mother and a, and a daughter. So the second one um, I made mention is that a lot of people make a, an argument that Christians should not get tattoos is that your body is a temple. Um, and that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Uh, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Yeah. So, yes, we should glorify and honor God with our bodies, but this passage does not mention anything about tattoos dishonoring God. That we should present ourselves as a living sacrifice, that we should glorify God with our bodies and should glorify them. But the context here is about sexual immorality. He's talking, if you look at the whole chapter, he's talking about, you know, uh, going and having an adulterous relationship or going having a polygamous relationship or divorcing your wife uh, due to something stupid. And, and basically talking about sexual immorality, nothing about tattoos, smoking, or eating red meat. It's all about sexual morality. So you can't just read something and place your idea upon it. We've talked about this plenty of times. You can't just essege something. You can't read into this text. you got to read from the text. So here, I also think that uh, if this is true, then I guess we just stop eating hamburgers and hot dogs, correct? Because if we're supposed to glorify God through our bodies, then the junk that we eat and drink uh, kind of go within that line, right? McDonald's is blasphemy, and I will die on this hill. Yep, the Chick-fil-A sweet tea that's going to clog your arteries. Whoa, wait, hold up, hold up. Chick-fil-A is a good Christian establishment, and I will have I will not have you slandering them. So it's transubstantiation. I cannot speak. Well, to be fair, that's a 10-pointer. Transubstantiation when it comes to eating that chicken sandwich, and it goes down, and it turns into Christ's flesh, right? I mean— yeah, I have communion every time I go there. What are you talking about? <laughs> but what do you all think about the body as the temple, and should we present, uh, adorn the body? Whenever I, I hear the phrase, your body's the temple, I think of that uh, that movie Hellboy, if you've ever seen it. Yeah. Uh, when the main character, Hellboy, uh, he's offering like a beer or something to to his buddy, and his buddy says, my body is a temple. He says, no, nah, it's a playground. Drink up. <laughs> That's, it cracks me up. Uh, but I, I see 
Well, you know what? I won't, I won't speak first. Mason, you talk. It's your turn. The way I look at that verse, personally, is just to keep it well-kept, because that's what you're supposed to do with the house of God. You're just supposed to keep it well-kept. You know, you're supposed to try to keep it clean, presentable. Uh, everything's nice and tidy. So I think, personally, it's just saying take care of yourself. Be swole for Jesus. <laughs> yep, that's why, that's why I work out. But so if, if that's the case, then, I mean, why do we put uh, pictures of Jesus and put pictures and emblems and symbology upon the church walls and stuff like that? So is that not the same thing as uh, if you get tattoos upon your body as a temple? Which, I mean, God does not reside within a house. He resides within us. So, I mean, it's not like, I'm sorry, but you walk into church, God's not there because it's a church. He's there because he's with us. So I mean, we got to present, we got to understand that you know, church is not the building; church is the people. I think a big part of this equation is like, why are you getting tattooed in the first place? And I say this as someone that, uh, while at the moment, a hundred percent of the whopping two that I have are biblically sourced, I don't plan on all of mine being biblically sourced. So you're not going to hear a lot of pushback from me on the, some people that mm-hmm. uh, might hold the opinion of, well, if you're going to get tattoos, make sure they're all. Uh, Christ evident like make sure it's all 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 Christian imagery and like I just I I personally just don't buy into that mentality I see where it's coming from and I don't think it's a bad logic to have uh, but with a lot of other things that can be described as stumbling blocks I, I see this as being like a heart issue between like you and God like is this something that's like that you're doing out of like an addiction to to wanting to, to get tattoos, I mean, some people can absolutely get uh, addicted to getting tattoos. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that that is a thing. Uh, there could be people out there that want to get like rebellious imagery or something out of like just a just a rebel streak. Yeah. Like, don't don't be stupid about what you get. Uh, but I absolutely do believe that it's easy to tattoo things out of worship. I mean, that that very mm-hmm. much is a thing. Because, uh, I mean, why else would you want something on you permanently? So, I, again, I think that's a heart issue between you and God. Like, why are you getting this? And if it's something that isn't um, Christ-affirming, then, like, is that problematic? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's going to vary person to person. Well, the the body as a temple, it kind of correlates with the uh, third point that I'd like to make mention of one reason why you shouldn't get a tattoo or you got to make take into consideration when you get a tattoo or if if you decide to get one is that a lot of times that getting a tattoo can be placing more of attention towards yourself and that you become an idol instead of drawing the focus towards God. And I think that you see a lot of these, you know, tatted up people that are from head to toe and they get implants and they got gauges and stuff like that. And like, what's the purpose of getting this? What's the purpose of getting a tattoo? Is it for the glory of God? As 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20 says, are you honoring God with this? Or is this more of trying to honoring yourself? Are you trying to draw attention to yourself? Because that's basically what you're trying to do. You're making yourself an idol, drawing eyes towards you so that people give you attention. And so one reason why I have, and I, I, I agree with your statement as like, you know, I don't think you need strictly, uh, as, as a Christian, if you get tattoos, if you decide to, that they need to be completely scriptural based. But me personally, that all my tattoos are going to be spiritual based. All mine, the one I have right now, my five plus, and then going on some, uh, are all scripturally based and have Christian symbolism behind them. But I thought about like a paramedic one, but then I'm like, you know what? My identity is more in my faith and my job. (laughs) So that's what I'll take into consideration there. But that's fine. 
but First Corinthians chapter ten verse fourteen, he says it says, "Flee from idolatry." And if the purpose of getting one is to draw attention towards yourself, then I think that that's definitely idolatry, and that's definitely a sin. And uh, I, I I think if that's one reason that I don't wear fancy suits and ties and into church, because if you want my honest opinion, some people that wear bright blue suits, Mason. Uh, Sometimes we can draw attention to ourselves instead of attention to God. He's trying to draw attention away from his fiery red hair. Yeah, bro. I got to s- spread it everywhere else. I don't even own a bright blue suit. I own a br- lot of bright blue ties. <laughs> Mason, would you ever get ink? No. Why not? I just don't have any interest in it. And that's fine. I mean, Mostly I- because, one, I'm a sissy with needles and pain. <laughs> I mean, I'll just be straight up honest with you. But, two, like, at the same time, it's like, I don't even I don't even know what I would want. So if I don't have a clue what I would want, I'm not gonna think. Mm-hmm. We'll go it. together and get the same one. Okay. We'll have matching tattoos. We'll get we'll get cross training tattoos. Oh gosh, no! <laughs> right above the butt. But I, I think that um, tattoos it's it's one of those topics that some people it's like a coin toss of within our our demographic within our region uh, as Christians because either oh yeah it's completely okay like yeah I mean. Christians, I think it's completely okay for Christians. And then you get the other side, which we kind of deal more with in our in in our setting, is that okay? No, Christians should never get it. Should never get it. But yet, it no it, nowhere in the New Testament and nowhere in the Old Testament, other than Leviticus, and if you read out of context instead of in context, nowhere in Scripture does it say thou shalt not get a tattoo. There's always a small little caveats with what that's saying. Yeah, the, it is definitely one of those subjects that, like. Me, me and you, Tanner, and I'd, I'd imagine, Mason, you probably kind of sit in the same camp. Like, I just, it's not that big of a deal to me. I mean, it, it's a big deal in that, like, it's a permanent thing, so if you're going to get it done yourself, like, don't be dumb about it. But it's not something that I associate with, like, being a heresy, like, at all. Yeah. But there are so many people out there that, like, that that's a huge blasphemy. Yeah. And I completely understand, like, why people think that. I just heavily disagree because there is an incredible lack of scriptural evidence for that. So my fourth point that I think that a Christian should not get a tattoo, and I think this is kind of the big one that I think that it, it goes along with a lot of things, not only tattoos, but like with when it comes to smoking, to dipping, to drinking, to uh, what you wear on Sunday morning, to what you wear at work or what you do, anything with your life. This is this is the big one. But like if it's a stumbling block, and you made mention of this earlier, if it's a stumbling block or if it will cause a stumbling block for your witness or some of some form of fashion against your ministry, then you need to kind of think about it. You need you need to kind of set this aside like, okay, why am I getting this? And so in, in Romans chapter 14, this is a, I think this is where it comes into key here. Uh, Romans 14 verses 19 uh, it says, Then let us aim for harmony in the church. And try not to and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable. But what is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble? So he's saying, you know, we strive for harmony in the church, harmony within the body. You know, he says that all foods are clean now. I mean, the Lord said it is clean and good to eat. But it's something that you do that the Lord says, hey, it's okay. And if it's going to cause someone to stumble, don't do it. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts of whether or not you should eat something, 
you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So it's basically following your convictions. And if it's like within the gray areas that kind of scripture leaves up to the to the heart or to the Holy Spirit to, to convict or not to convict, I think that's where it comes a heart issue of like, why are you getting this? And if you have a conviction, a doubt of getting a tattoo, or if you have doubt of drinking, if you have doubt of smoking, uh, then I think if you fall within that doubt and you give in, then it's a sin because it's going against what the Holy Spirit is convicting you of doing or not doing. So Paul, I mean, he is evident here. The first thing he does say that peace and unity is important to God. So it really depends on like the cultural barrier too. Let me, let me make note of that because like if God's calling you to be a missionary to Haiti, you know, within a culture that is very um, surrounded by that, you do not get a tattoo if you're a Christian. Uh, and basically that's a sign of almost apostasy if you get a tattoo and you are a Christian at that time. Um, yeah, Cause like in Haiti, uh, I think the, the culture is like people that are into voodoo. very modest. Yeah. Voodoo. And it, it has a very spiritualization behind it and stuff like that. So, I mean, as, as it, it would probably not be wise for a missionary to get a tattoo if that's what their focus is, because then that could cause a, a necessary barrier towards that. So, you know, verse 22 and 23, it makes mention of the conviction of the heart. So let me ask this. Is the conviction over sin different for each person, you think? It shouldn't be. I mean, the thing, well, here's why I say it shouldn't be, though, is because sin is sin no matter who you are. Wrong is wrong no matter who you are. I mean, we have our own standards of what's right and wrong, but when it comes straight down to it, the Holy Spirit has the only right and wrong. And so if something is wrong and you are a true Christian, you should be convicted of it no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. That's why I say with with no hesitation that yes, it should. So with and this is a kind of a trick question too. I, I kind of as a as a tricky question is that the the conviction comes first prior to the sin. And so if the Lord is convicting you to not do something or to do something and you don't do it or you do it, whatever the case is in that situation, and you don't do it or that you do it, then it becomes a sin. It manifests itself. But like, say, like I have ne- I've never been convicted of my ink. And I think that because I have not been convicted of that, then it is not a sin. The Lord is not convicted. It's not a stumbling block in my manner because I'm not called to missions. And it's not like, I think it depends on what you get. I'm not getting here uh, going in snake tattoos wrapped around my arm. Or I'm not getting... Uh, naked ladies placed up on my forehead or anything like that that could cause a stumbling block for sure. So, I mean, there is meaning There's meaning behind what you should get if you do decide to get inked, you know. But, I mean, it's like each person struggles with different things, and as Christians we should not place a certain baggage in front of people that struggle with carrying it, you know. Um, you know, it's like if, if you struggle with dipping uh, if you or, or any kind of tobacco use or I was about to say meth. You struggle with meth. But, I mean, if you struggle with any kind of, like, substance or whatever, stuff like that, and I personally don't. I, I can pick up a pipe and, and smoke it and then and put it down for several months and not. You need to specify what kind okay. of pipe. Okay, tobacco. <laughs> tobacco. Uh, that's a whole different topic right there. But, like, I could, I could pick up a tobacco pipe, smoke it, and like, for a week, and then put it down for several months and not be tempted. But yet if, like, someone struggles with smoking, then I should not do that in front of them. I should keep that between, basically what Paul says, between me and God. Um, Because if I do that, then that could cause a stumbling block for them to lead in that direction that they could sin, even if I'm not sinning for myself. And so I think the sin manifests itself under conviction, if that makes any sense. 
Wait, could you repeat that? Sin manifests itself after. Sin manifests itself after conviction, if it proceeds through. Mason, what do you think about that phrase? For a true Christian, I'm fine with that phrase, but there becomes a lot of po- a lot of times that somebody can give in where they have sinned, and it will eventually get to the point where whatever that particular thing just doesn't phase them anymore, just because they're used to it, they're in the habit of it. I mean, they may get convicted of other things still, but because that they are so used to this one particular sin. Are you talking about believers and non-believers? Specifically, believers, because that's those are the ones who will be convicted by the Holy Spirit more, more so than non-believers. You know, non-believers will have a conscience of what they've been taught right and wrong, but a, a believer will have the Holy Spirit inside of them telling them, "That's not okay. Don't do it," or "You should be doing this." You know, whatever, whatever it is. And that's why I will say, you know, to a true Christian who is obedient, yes. But someone who will struggle, even a true believer who will struggle with something, but yet has given into one particular thing, over time, it's just human nature. You will not, you'll be shut off from that one thing. So the Lord will, the, the Holy Spirit will basically shut off conviction of that one said thing if you keep on giving into that temptation is that what you're saying no i'm saying you'll become deaf to it like uh we'll read in revelations where he like sets at the door and knocked and that is of course to come in for salvation so that would bring into apostasy then was that person of a reprobate mind and will will deny christ all no you can shut out parts of your life I'm, i'm not saying like i'm not trying to advocate for any of this i'm just saying that's how people work because the mind will say oh i am used to this it's fine or the reward is greater than the consequence? I would disagree. I would say that there, you can't shut one thing off away from the Lord or one thing that in, in life in general. If you're following Christ as an authentic Christian and you are obeying Him, no matter what, if like, yeah, I can see that there can be complacency, but I think that conviction is always there. You may be blind to some of the avenues that um, lead you out of that temptation or whatever, but yeah, I still think that that conviction is there if you are an authentic Christian and you are still trying to pursue God. I think that... Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying, too. I think I'm just saying that there becomes a point to where you'll become blind to it. And at that point, I would not call you a true believer. I would, you know, that a was... A practicing Christian. Yeah, a practicing, well, yeah, I think, thriving I, I, Christian. I think, yes, a thriving would be a, a, good, a good way to say that because I think that you can't... Just say, well, the Lord's not convicting me in this, but yeah, I'm pursuing Him in this. I think if if he if conviction is dying on this aspect of, then spiritually, then you spiritually are everything else is falling yes. apart. Uh, so I mean, it's not you can't just close one. Yeah, facet. I'm not saying you're going to yeah. be 100 percent and 99 percent of the areas, and then just because this one thing's falling, that oh, you're still doing no. Because if you let one thing fall down, the rest will fall. Yeah. So, I mean, many Christians, they have labeled those who have tattoos as outcast and no use, but some of the most godly men and women uh, I, I know are pretty tatted up. Uh, but God is concerned with the things of the heart. And that's one thing that, you know, with with, with this, uh, God is concerned with the things of the heart, not adorning of the outside. You know, John 7, verse 24, it, said, it says that stop, Jesus says, stop judging according to the outward appearance, rather judge according to the righteous judgment. Uh, for Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Do not look at the appearance of his stature, because I have rejected him. 
humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. So, I mean, I think that us as Christians that we can't just say, oh, you're wearing earrings and, and you got tattoos, you're, you're not a believer. Oh, I, that's, that's, that's awful. But we can't say that because that's not our place to say. Because then what is classified as a non-believer or a believer that only through the things of the heart can be judged, not by the things of the outward appearance. So this this thought might be going nowhere, but it's something that hopped into my head. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it fly and see what happens. So what would y'all say about like a, like travel tattoos? And I don't mean like the travel tattoos that your local frat guy gets. I'm talking like, like travel actual like meaning to it, cultural travel tattoos. Do you think that that sort of kind of creeps into Leviticus territory? I mean, it's not literally for the dead. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the gut answer to that is no. But like, does that, does that encroach into like you're put, putting certain like cultural practices over religious practices does that kind of get into dangerous waters i think you got to be careful with with certain uh typologies of tattoos and imagery that's one thing you need to do be some uh, you need to do research and you need to pray about it and you need to seek the lord's guidance in everything that you do even if it is a tattoo and even if it is somewhat taboo in you know some christian cultural standings but with tribal like specific tribal, like Dwayne Johnson and uh, there's some other big dudes that got tribals. I can't say their names or else I'll like reveal myself as being a wrestling fan. Can't do that. <laughs> well, The Rock is a wrestler, so I mean. Well, yeah, but everybody knows The Rock. He's not the only wrestler that has a travel tattoo. <laughs> Doesn't Jason Momoa, whatever his name is. Yeah, 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 let's yeah, go yeah. With that guy. Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman. So, I mean, I, I think that if if you're getting it to give imagery and worship to a false idol, possibly yes. But if it's more towards like the culture of my people and you're, I'm, I'm proud, like say if I got a, I'm not going to, this is just cliche, but if I got like the Tennessee flag tattooed on my arm or something like that, or an American flag or something like that, like I'm, I'm proud that I, I, I live in Tennessee. I love the hills of Tennessee. I mean, is that sinful? No, not really. I mean. Depends on the level of fanaticism that you true. have. I think I think if you're placing it above God, then yes. And this is what the Levitical uh, people were doing was worshiping false gods and placing things in remembrance and worship of that false god. But yet I think as my tattoos, they're not there to be worshipped as such as like I was making mention to draw attention to myself, not to draw attention to the tattoos. But yet this is like a facet, an avenue. So like if someone did see it, it's like, okay, let me talk about it. Let's talk about you know, I have a turtle with water that has John four fourteen, and it talks about, you know, the water that you drink, you will thirst again, but the water that I give you will give eternal life. And so it lead, these tattoos will lead will help me lead people to Christ. That sounds really bad, kind of bad because the, the Spirit leads that. Oh, but yeah, it's that a, on it's your a chest. You're going to, like, rip your shirt to, open yes. and be like, would you like to talk about God with me? True. Like but Superman I mean, with your, with your I could see tattoos being a, a, a strict, uh, like a, a big witness, witnessing tool f- to a certain oh, yeah. uh, demographic for yeah. sure. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons that uh, uh, mine, which has to do with uh, my very strong beliefs on the value of marriage, like I've got on my forearm for anyone to see if they just catch a glimpse of the arm. And I have been asked, like, hey, because it, it's in Greek, it's not in English, like, hey, what's uh, what, what does that tattoo say? Because I have it, um, it's 
from the Greek and the New Testament, and I won't go into, like, all the meanings, because that's its own podcast, because it's about marriage, and I love talking about that. Uh, but it's it's a belief that I strongly have that is rooted within Scripture. So, I mean, I, there have been multiple occasions where I've gotten to talk about uh, Scripture in a way that people probably don't anticipate hearing about it. So I, I definitely agree with that mentality. So earlier we talked about uh, stumbling blocks. Uh, that's something that, that Paul wrote about and for good reason. And I think that that's a good way to segue into the other thing that we're going to talk about, which I don't think we've actually mentioned the other thing that we're going to talk about yet. So no, we're, we're going to well, talk about we cussing. Did, we, did, we didn't want to turn everybody off right off the gate. You know, I'm tattoos not, is one of those very to – me, to me, tattoos is kind of very uh, more lenient than this one. I, th- I think cussing is definitely one of those that – is a little bit more uh, has has a little bit more black and white substance behind it than a gray manner such as tattoos. But I also think that cussing is a, a thing that a lot of Christians probably struggle with. For sure, for sure. So let me let me uh, give some terminology here that I think that we you, you kind of need to take in consideration. Which I think is funny how the culture has flip flopped uh, the the severity of language. So I mean, let me, let me get the censor button out. Censor button. Uh, but there's a difference between profanity and vulgarity. So profanity is is characterized by the irreverence or contempt for God and sacred principles or things, such as GD at H-E double hockey stick. I would even say the F-bomb because that is referencing to uh, sex, sexual context, and sex is ordained and given by God as a gift. So, I mean, to me, I think that is profane. It is going against something that God has given as a gift. And then... Uh, damnation the the short term for damnation uh, so i mean i think any of these things that i mean these are serious concepts hell's a real place damnation's a real thing um gd that's just we can talk about uh, that shall not to use the lord's name in vain but yet that is the most minimalistic way that you could use the lord's name in vain um that and like if you take the the term literally like it's it's a blasphemous command yes. command like you don't have the authority or permission or anything to demand that God damn something like that that's something that you don't get to do so in this in 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 these terms profane words are the words that are used the most in today's cultural media and they're not bleeped out GDs barely bleeped out they bleep out God. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that cracking me up once when I was watching like some movie on TV. This was like years ago, and like there was a, an instance in which GD it was dropped, but God is what got bleeped. Like yeah. out of the two parts, that that's what. Okay, all right. <laughs> so I mean, like the D word, you know, damnation is not, you know, damn's not uh, bleeped out, hell's not bleeped out, and so it's like, well, I mean, these are profane things and serious topics here. I mean, people are being damned every day. People are going to hell every day. These are things that are profane. Now, vulgarity are characterized by crude, unrefined expression. Uh, S-H-I-T, the male anatomy, female dog. I'm, try- I'm trying to be nice and, and familiar here. Oh, you think I'm not putting bleeps in every single one of these? You know, uh, you know. Boom, he did it. He did it. <laughs> the madman actually did it. Please be careful with that, Matthew. Don't. Friendly reminder that uh, in the King James Version of the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 22 says, So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. 
that verse makes absolutely no sense out of context, but it says pisseth, so I had it I had it marked to, to read. So here here's here here's some scriptures that I think that definitely it talks about using not using vulgar or words that are very offensive. You know, Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-nine, it says, No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. James chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives? My brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. Now, always taking a thought that we as Christians are supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And when that is being transformed by Christ, that should renew and transform our thought, should renew and transform our heart, and should renew and transform our tongues. And so as a Christian, these things come into play is that we should never uh, have cursings and blessings coming out of the same mouth because you cannot really have two things at once. You can't serve two masters, as, as Jesus says, uh, that you can't curse somebody and love somebody at the same time. Um, you got anything to say? Cause I got I got some hot takes. But, I, I have a butt, but if you got any hot takes on Tenor that. Have a butt. I have a butt. I, I got hot takes. Here, here's, here's my hot take. So as you guys already know, like I personally don't, have a problem with like other people cursing like if someone um drops a bomb it and and honestly and this might be a flaw within myself but it doesn't matter like what bomb it is if it's dropped in front of like my first thought isn't going to be oh that guy clearly isn't a christian like it's just not something that sets off alarm bells me personally now in terms of my own actions i've struggled very hard with a with foul language in like middle school and high school and to be fair who doesn't but for me in particular that was a a huge stumbling block when i realized oh i should probably like stop saying these words on a near hourly basis and it it was a long journey to kind of clean my own act up so i desired to to not return to that so you won't you won't hear me say what i personally consider to be profane anymore and there are still certain terms that i'm trying to wash out of my vocabulary so that's something that i personally don't want to do but i got no problem with anyone around me doing it because i will maintain to this day that one of the most hilarious things on planet earth is a well-placed f-bomb i I will die on this hill that is a that is the gospel freaking truth but (laughs) be careful how you say that the mentality that I kind of have uh, behind this is, I mean, you got to read the room, and this goes back to, to stumbling blocks because when you're acting, well, and when I say acting, I mean like when, when you're doing things, when you're performing acts, when you are out there just existing, doing your thing, you are performing your ministry. You are representing Christ through your actions at all times as a Christian. That, that's part of being a Christian. And to be Christ-like, you are to love. Me personally, depending on context, obviously, if a curse word is dropped, I don't feel not loved. I think that depending on the room of people and their personal agreements with each other on like what is okay and uh, what isn't okay in conversation, I think that there are situations in which you can have like Christians cutting up and using interesting language. So here's where where that I think that we, I mean, I agree with you. To an extent. I, I'm aware I, I that that's yeah. controversial. Uh, and this that's... is a completely controversial uh, episode for sure. But 
when we read these verses in James chapter 3, 9 through 12, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and then anywhere that you see Scripture talking about what comes out of your tongue, foulness and, and cursing and cussing and stuff like that, look at the context, is that the context of these verses are directional, and that cursing is towards an individual is wrong. Uh, deceitfulness intention to someone is wrong. Uh, placing bad tongue or, you know, giving someone curses, calling them a fool is wrong. So God loves them. So that, so should we. And like you talk about, you know, if it's not directional at somebody, uh, it's used as a exclamation. You know, so the prophets, they used strong language. Uh, they used almost vulgar imagery, it seems like. I mean, uh, uh, Ezekiel used very aggressive terms and imagery, but it's not, he didn't use terms as a shock factor in itself, but he used it to reveal a shock factor about the complacency of the people. So the people in the Old Testament were shying away from God, and basically he used strong terminology and strong imagery to show them. It's like, this is not a joke. This is something legit. So you need to put your eyes away from yourself and away from these false gods and towards God. And so Paul, he kind of he kind of does it in the same manner, but he doesn't use, and I think you know, a lot of people can say, well, he's using the S word, he's using the S word, but yeah, a lot of scholars have found out that nowhere in uh, Greek text is it used as a, like an actual explicit, but more of like a um, exclamation of a vulgar substance of excrement. So in, in Philippians chapter three, verse eight, you know, Paul says that your righteousness your self-righteousness is dung, is crap. It's it's a piece of, you know, S-H-I-T, you know. It's dung, it's rubbish, it's ex- excrement. So, I mean, let me ask this question. Will if, if we started laxing on the language that we use, will this be the downfall of Christianity? I'm not sure that I agree with such theatrical language, but I do think that there might be a point to that because when I was talking about like depends on who's in the room like I do mean it when I say like a a group of Christians that have an understanding uh, because I mean this is going to sound like just pure hypocrisy I'm fully aware of this but like because I do personally think that one of the easiest ways to set yourself apart from the world is to to, mouth yeah is to sound different than the world and your average non-Christian individual probably has little to no problem with with cursing on a sentence by sentence basis. So being known as someone that doesn't curse is going to set you apart. So what if a pastor or preacher decided to use foul language behind the pulpit? Read the room. I know dude. you're looking right at me too. Read the room, dude. Just read, read the room. So prison no, ministry, no, 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 no. prison ministry, it's okay. But if you're going to the backwoods church, I mean, no, it's not okay. I should, cl- I should probably clarify myself too when he's when I say he's looking at me. He's not looking at me because I've done that. He's looking at me because I had a an event that I went to um, last, this time last year actually, or no, it was last fall, and I encountered uh, a preacher, evangelist, youth pastor, whatever you want to call him, that done these things, and it just to me. So I, here, here's a point that I'd like to make too, is that you know the gospel is naturally offensive, right? Yes. So I mean the gospel, it's going to offend people per se. And I think a lot of times us, that we need to kind of 
get people's attention. And I'm not trying to justify using foul language or something like that, but like, what's the 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 main group that Jesus preached against, and is the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And today, those terminologies have kind of gone to the wayside and said, you know, we've heard people say behind the pulpit or say uh, to in a teaching aspect of like, you're a Pharisee. You're just like a Pharisee. What weight in our culture and context does that have? Zero. But there is a website that I, that I, I agree with, the one reason they call it. But uh, they say, hey, y'all are just a bunch of jackasses. You know, I mean, you're you're a Christian, you're a religious person, but you're not acting like Christ. So you're just a jackass. You're not loving like Christ loved. And let's clarify the uh, the reason you're using that word is because it comes from a website, I believe, called it's Jackass called ja- Theology. Yeah, Jackass Theology. And, the, and it's like, you know, we're more focused on the... It's part of the brand. Part of the brand. But, I mean, I, I think that sometimes that we need to be aware of that yes it is a stumbling block so would it be better just to never use cuss words yeah i think so and on that note i would like to clarify just just in case anyone out there has like come to the conclusion that matthew is the heretic at the table or tanner i'm not advocating for like Christians need to cuss in groups. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that in a controlled environment, like it's not necessarily a sin. I do personally, like I, I believe that we should strive to not curse. Like I think that's that's a way that we can easily set ourselves apart. Just me personally, I think that it's not a sin if within a group of people that understand each other's beliefs that like a, a word gets dropped. Like I'm not I'm not saying, hey, when Christians get together, y- y'all best be cussing. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. Well, it goes back to the Romans 14 thing is that like if it's causing someone to stumble it's like or to view Christ as like, okay, well, you're not a Christian. Christians shouldn't cuss. Then you should not use it. And if you're being convicted of it, then you should not use it. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's definitely, I think there's more of a Christian, I think there's more evidence behind Scripture that Christians should not cuss at all yeah. than Christians getting tattoos. So, I mean, that's one reason that I, I definitely strive to be holy, but not to become holy in that when it comes to language, is that the way, best way to, to reveal Christ through my actions and through my life is through the purification of my mouth. Uh, and I, I have to say this, but, you know, I fail. Uh, I think I think that most people would fail, and I would even say that vulgarity or profanity uh, is used in that failing. I think that sometimes not uplifting Christ or uplifting one another. I mean, Paul says that um, that we should lift each other up, and if I'm not lifting someone up, if I'm calling them a, a jerk for no reason, or if I gossip about them, or if I use any other kind of language that is not uplifting to the body, well, that's... That's cussing if you if you want to be technical. You want to call them a fool because they w- decide to wear blue jean skirts and not wear earrings and wear a bonnet or whatever because they want to put their eyes towards Christ and not their adornment. It's not a fool. That's the Amish. Well, I'm just I'm uh, like that. That should be presented that I'm in the wrong for not uplifting the body. So I think that uh, when it comes to both these subjects, whether it be tattoos or cursing. Um, the conclusion really just comes down to like it's between you and God. I mean, because that stumbling block verse, it, it's very relevant to both of these things. I mean, obviously, like cussing and tattoos are two uh, pretty different things, but they're both pretty uh, divisive subjects within the church because there are plenty of people out there that 
while they might not necessarily just straight out say like, yeah, as a Christian, I think it's okay to cuss. They might have like lots of words in the vo- their vocabulary that a lot of other people would consider to be curse words that just it's something that they grew up understanding like that's not bad. Yeah, exactly. And then as Mason pointed out, I mean, how many people did he probably shut off from the gospel that he could reach because he may have used a cuss word behind the pulpit? Talking about a preacher that Mason yeah, witnessed, not, not Mason. Mason. Yeah, not Mason, <laughs> not Mason per se. Yeah. But like, just want to make sure that's set straight. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean that's a good way to shut down a witness to to somebody saying. Yeah, because I can I'll, I'll say that I was pretty well agreeing for the most part about what I was said because it's it was someone of completely denom- different denomination from what I believe in. I mean, like I said, a lot of it was good stuff, and then he just starts talking like that, and I'm thinking, you know, even if you are just trying to get you know college kids' attention because this it was it was at the college that you know. There are so many different ways that you can try to do that. Because uh, to me, at that point, you're just giving in. You're just trying to be like them, act like them, to make them think that yep. you're cool. That's like the definition of a compromise. Yes. Yeah. So I think definitely uh, your surrounding context. And, yeah. and, and I'm not saying a good, well-placed cuss word will be all right, but I'm just saying that— um, Well-placed F-bomb, man. You know, yep, They're hilarious. But I think Christians need to be aware— of like what they say and yeah. when they say it. Yeah, and kind of in that same vein, I think the, a big part of the purpose of this episode and talking about these two subjects is there are lots of things within uh, Christian culture. I think I used this uh, phrase before in this episode already, but there are a lot of beliefs that kind of just got grandfathered in over time that people hold without really being aware of why uh, it's held within their Christian community. So I, I think this this thought will be endorsed by both of y'all when I, when I say that Cross-training invites you to go to Scripture, figure out why you believe what you believe, figure mm-hmm. out where it comes from in Scripture. And if it's not there in black, white, and red, then it's time It's time to pray. It's time to consult with people that you trust within uh, your church or your Christian community and, and figure out, like, what, what do you think about this? What, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? Why, why shouldn't you believe it? Why should you believe it? Like that sort of thing. These are the kinds of conversations that, uh, that we like to have at this table, uh, and these are two subjects that can get kind of divisive, even though we've kind of had a more of a fun-centered conversation. I mean, after last fortnight's conversation, I've, I've, I craved a little more more fun in this episode, so... I think you mean, I think yeah, we didn't have fun that. talking about history of, of the I mean, Bible. It is fun. It's just <laughs> mentally exhausting. <laughs> I had to take a nap afterwards. Uh, this this has been uh, cross train for this week. As always, you can find our our social media links in the description. And until next fortnight, Tanner, give us those magic words. Oh, he did it! He did it! <laughs> you should just wipe <disappoint> it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to do. Bleep out.